0: the latest in agricultural media and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Ag Communicators Network podcast. I'm your host Katie Navarro. Sponsored or custom content offers exciting opportunities to get creative through video, audio, and web projects. As with the traditional print editorials. there has to be a clear line between editorial and sponsored content. In this episode, Justin Davey, the Editorial Content Director for the Meredith AgriMedia Custom Studio, and Greg Horstmeyer, the Editor-in-Chief of the Digital Newsroom at DTN, share the processes their companies use to ensure that readers know when content is sponsored by advertisers. Thank you, uh, both Greg and Justin, for joining me on this episode of the podcast. One um, piece of information that we've received from listeners is that they're very interested in custom content and the ethics behind custom content. So I'm having you on today to to share your experiences and some of the um, strategies that you've set up with your respective companies and I thought the best place to start would be having a conversation around how each of you define custom content at your organizations.
2: Great. So, so, so I guess I can go first. This is Greg, uh, Horsmeyer at uh, DTN and so, and I'm speaking for both, uh, the, the DTN subscriber world, as well as the, the progressive farmer, um, sort of our public, um, world, which is really where more of the custom content ends up. But we, I mean, we essentially would define custom content as anything that is supplied or desired by an advertiser with a direct line in terms of, a, of, a, of an advertising buy. So if someone wants a project put together or whatever, and the, the whole purpose of that is to be part of an advertising buy, and that would be separate from, you know, like, just the opposite of that, which is a reporter going out to cover something on their own um, that would be driven uh, mainly by a, by a news desire.
0: Yeah, and on the agri-media side, it's, it's really much the same. So it would kind of break down to like content that's, that's, that we're creating on behalf of a customer that's designed to kind of reinforce their brand or communicate the value of their product uh, or service to like create opportunities or, or build affinity. The difference between that content that we're creating on on the client's behalf and uh, uh, just separate reporting that's done by our successful farming or agriculture.com magazine staff.
1: Okay, so is it safe to say that custom content is sort of the new phraseology for what were our print advertorials?
0: Uh, yeah, I would say an advert. I think a print advertorial is is one uh, one piece of of custom content. Custom content could take the the format of a print advertorial, could take the format of a native web article, could take the format of um, of video. All sorts of 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 content types. I think we're all up to the the custom content
2: umbrella. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Justin.
1: Excellent. What are um, some of the benefits that you've experienced of, um, you know, expanding the custom content umbrella in recent years?
2: Well, I could go first on that one. If, I mean, in our world, um, I think one of the, the big benefits is that point that, that Justin was just talking about. It is taking what was once a two-dimensional Advertorial, um, which can still be a pretty good vehicle, I think, for for marketers who want specific content to, to, to be in a, in the a printed form. But you know, moving that into the world of, of video, um, podcasts, multiple photo uh, pieces, and to be able to mix those kind of things. So, from us, from the standpoint of of what is it what it, what is it brought to our world? I think it's it's a let us share some of that kind of content uh, with readers uh, on behalf of, of, a, of an advertiser. And I guess the thing that I think mostly there is especially around video. And we've had some video pieces that we've put into some of our native advertising space or things like that that have been really good. I mean, not that advertisers don't do good content. I'm not what I want to say that, but, it, but it's, it's been very positive, very educational, very compelling content. It's probably also, I'd have to say, uh, help to push us uh, in terms of of what we're supplying as content. I mean, as as advertisers have raised the bar and what they're asking for, or what they would like to get out of out of sponsored content. Um, as we answer that, we also, you know, are saying so. If we're going to have this capability here, what does that mean in terms of the the regular editorial content that we provide, and how can we can we augment that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, frankly, I mean, it provides us another uh, another tool in the toolbox. It's another thing for our, our sales teams uh, to sell and to provide to to our marketing partners and and ag customers. Um, it also just allows us to uh, provide our editorial and, and publishing expertise to our, our customers, and we've been able to do that through um, kind of two umbrellas at Meredith specifically. So. We have our Meredith AgriMedia Custom Studio that works with our marketing partners and agencies to execute, develop, and execute these custom content programs. Um, we also recently launched our Foundry Food and Agriculture Group that provides kind of that custom content, that level of of content to um, ag uh, businesses that are interested in reaching consumers. So, of course, Meredith reaches. Uh, lots and lots and lots of consumers. So we're kind of bringing our Foundry 360, which is a division of Meredith, kind of that level of best in class content thinking um, to our ag customers to ultimately reach um, consumers with with an ag or maybe a sustainability message. So this kind of content uh, service is allowing us to kind of reach our marketing partners and and advertisers with just kind of a, a new level of thinking about content.
1: Certainly sounds exciting and offers a lot of opportunity for creativity um, across the company, both across both companies.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, if you, you you know, I think both of our groups are are doing editorial and content well, but it's fun to be able to kind of uh, take it a step further and and have divisions and groups and people that are just focused on providing this this level of content expertise to our customers.
2: Mm-hmm. And it also, it allows those advertisers to connect with our audiences in different, more holistic ways, I guess. So, And what I'm thinking about here is if we have a package, for example, that we're planning to do for editorial on some subject, and we're looking for sponsorship of that, you know, just advertising or whatever that would be placed around that editorial content. They can, you know, a company can engage customers that way. We support this package that DTN the Progressive Farmer is doing, and we're doing that through advertising. And then they can also come in with some of this sponsored content pieces, videos, um, other podcasts, other kinds of things that they might do that have more of their messaging in that, but also continues to engage that customer on that subject matter that's, that's already been engaged. And Justin, you hit on sustainability and you know that's, that's probably a natural there where we would do things around that subject matter. Companies that wanna be part of that, wanna have that sustainability as part of their messaging and, and be known for can, can then support that idea with their, with their customers in, in several ways
1: as many great opportunities as this offers both on the editorial and the advertiser side. What are some of the challenges that you have found or that you've had to put practices in place for to make sure that there's not a blurring of the lines between the editorial content and the, the custom content that you're creating for a client?
0: At Meredith and I, I'm, I'm sure at DTN it's, it's similar, but we just kind of over time we've, uh, I don't know. We see the, the line between custom content and editorial pretty clearly. So it might feel like some gray area to, to some, but it's pretty clear to us. And, and I think we kind of talked about this in, in the first question, but if, uh, if the content needs to have some sort of marketing message and it's the, the client wants to drive uh, what that content says and who we interview if they want to have a front seat to that content creation, then it's then it's kind of more marketing oriented and it becomes custom content. If maybe they want to be adjacent to a topic or uh, you know with advertising or they're interested in in you know advertising around some type of content, then maybe our editorial staff will consider some content around that theme. We have the editorial team then has the flexibility to to steer. Uh, what that content is and who it becomes, they're not, uh, they're not interviewing uh, people based on kind of demand. Uh, it's its independently uh, created. So while the, the line may, might seem gray to some people, it's pretty clear to us. So we put our heads together when the RFP comes in or however the, the request comes in from the client and can decide pretty clearly, really based on more of a gut check at this point. Um, whether it's kind of marketing and thus custom content or just kind of a an editorial, maybe adjacency request.
2: Yeah, and, and we, we do very similar to what Justin just described. I mean, it's, there's usually a process here. There's usually, um, you know, either we're reaching out with if we've got a project that we're working mm-hmm. on and we're looking for sponsorship mm-hmm. around, or we're meeting with marketing customers who are looking for ways to, to reach. Uh, their audiences and they want to do it through us. And so sometimes they have the idea. Sometimes they're looking for ideas from us. Sometimes we have the idea. Uh, we, we, we try to be pretty fluid in that. Uh, but most of them come through the door as ag company X wants to reach customers through us and they want to talk about these kinds of issues. And, uh, you know, we we too have pretty, pretty firm uh, lines around that. Um, and, and Justin's right. There could be times when the, the visual appeal of that, the way that actually comes off can look a little gray sometimes, but we try to keep, try to keep those lines pretty well drawn. We have colloquially what I call basically a peak or no peak rule. If the client wants to peak, if the client wants to have some input on who's being interviewed, what the content will be uh you know in anything that to do with the creation of that content then that takes it down one path um that's custom content we 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 typically hire freelancers to do that we almost rarely would actually have bylined dtnpf employees uh reporters and editors and those kind of folks Writing that content, they they will they could be part of the thought process. They could be part of the brainstorming steam, but we we tend to not have bylined articles around that that carry bylines of, of our own staff. Uh, we tend to hire others to do that. If they want to support something, um, as Justin was talking about, if they want an an adjacency, but they don't uh, they don't have specific content that they want to see included they don't have specific people that need to be talked to, and most importantly, they don't get a chance to really look at that content before it's published, that's where that peak, no peak comes in. If it's truly no peak, we're, we may be writing about a subject, uh, some weed control issue, some equipment issue, some sustainability or some feeding the world kind of a, of an issue that we've done in the past, But and all they wanna do is have adjacency, but they don't have any control or they don't look at any of that or they don't make any judgments around any of that then we call that no peak. And then, and then it's, it's uh, it's written by staff members and it's, it's handled like pure editorial product.
0: And I think we've, we've probably both, I know we have and you have too, probably Greg, I would imagine had uh, requests come in where the client maybe wants to control the content, but they have some uh, maybe uh, respect or affinity toward one of our editors. And they'd like that person to, to, Produce this content, but they really want to want to drive uh, what what it says. It's just an opportunity for us to kind of to have a conversation about these differences between custom and editorial and and help them kind of drill down to what's more important uh, kind of a re, a reported piece of content to maybe uh, sponsor advertise around or to really drive what that subject matter is and what that content says, but have it be produced by a different group. Uh, uh, Meredith.
1: It sounds like you both have really well-strategized plans um, for doing this, and at the root of it is communications, you know, communication with your team members, um, communication with your clients, and just being really open and transparent in all aspects of that conversation.
2: That That's absolutely true, Katie, and I think that that really is sort of the crux of of whatever, Wherever we start with these things, um, and this, this actually comes from some older language in the AAEA ethical standards and, and some of the ethical standards that were built before that and that AAEA has begun to, over the decades, has emulated. And that, that central point is transparency. That central point is, does the reader understand who's speaking to them? Uh, and that that really is kind of what guides all of the the thinking around this. And to to Justin's point about the conversations that you have with advertisers, when they when we really start to get down to brass tacks about who this is looking at, but we what we continually fall back on is is the reader clear as to where this information is coming from? Is it is it something that a that a corporate company wants to Uh, to get across and to to have those specific messages out there or that specific content out there, then the reader needs to know that. Is this something that the reporting team has gathered in its general uh, way that it always would do? Um, Certainly it might talk to people in that company about those issues, uh, but there are other sources in that story and there are other points of view around around that subject matter. We're clear to the reader on who's delivering that message. Yeah,
0: Katie, I don't, This might preempt one of your questions or follow-up questions, but I think that's a good segue to kind of talk about the the ethics of it all and how we differentiate edit versus custom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, there's de- there's definite thinking around that and some guidelines around that. So it's obviously, uh, you know, important for the reader to know what's. Editorial, so like objective, and from the publisher, and what's branded or custom or advertorial. So that would be coming from the customer, the advertiser, and it's important for us, I think, as publishers, to clearly kind of disclose what's branded to protect our reputations and you know our, our the reputations of of our staff as well. So um, there are guidelines in place. The Interactive Advertising Bureau, IAB, if any listeners have, have seen that around. Um have guidelines around, and in many cases, they're required. They're things that we that we have to follow with custom content. And I think we want to abide by them. they're fair and they protect us all. So Meredith Agrimedia, we've kind of adapted those to what we call our Meredith Agrimedia native content guidelines and and they're things like for print, you know using a different font or typeface than successful farming uses. Using a different column grid than Successful Farming uses, slugging, advertorial, or spe- special you know, sponsor section, something like that at the top that clearly denotes that it's not it's not editorial. While it feel it might feel like editorial or magazine journalism, mm-hmm. uh, this is different than the Successful Farming stuff. Uh, we also require the the sponsor, the advertiser, that, to have a logo on the page. Usually, it's at the bottom. Um, just to kind of drive home that branding a little bit more. So, so we take that seriously. These are kind of adapted from those IAB standards. Um, so, but it's important to us to kind of differentiate custom versus editorial. We do something similar on agriculture.com where it's, you know, native digital content is slugged as paid content at the top um, along with the the advertiser's logo. Um, so, we do that in print and digital. And you know, we do custom content as well that runs in the customer's kind of owned and operated environments or channels, so we've done that with um, USFRA, for example. We also publish the FFA New Horizons uh, magazine for the national FFA organization. That content is running in their owned and operated channels, so these specific rules uh, don't apply. Um, but if, it, if it's running in our owned and operated our magazine, our website, our television show, for example, um, there are specific guidelines that that we require and that we follow, and we're upfront about those uh, when we have maybe a kickoff call uh, with the customer.
2: Yeah, I would just I would say that we very very similar process, and 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 uh, yeah, there's a lot of thought that goes into. How that delineator, you know, whether it says advertorial, whether it's a sponsored content, whether it's just paid content, our native our native space has some specific guidelines around that. When we've got other pieces, so if it's a if it's a separate website, but again, as Justin was talking about, if it's on our property, if it's on a if it's on a DTN venue. Um, we're you know very clear about trying to do what we can to, to separate that I mean the technology of that sometimes becomes a problem because the ability to in, in the print world you can do lots of things with type and, and design and and, and uh, look to really set those things off It becomes a little bit more difficult sometimes in the in the uh, in the digital world to really get that definite separation so then we do that through making sure we use lots of words and and um, you know occasionally we'll do something like an editor's note uh, to make sure that that's clear either at the top or the bottom of the story to try to make those those things very clear
1: there's definitely a lot to consider and all the new media that we have has certainly made it a little bit more challenging but it sounds still like a lot of fun you know to be able to work on some of these different projects and you know, as we talked about before, work creativity in a, in a just a different way.
2: Right. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, that, that, when it, when it really works, when, when a customer or client has some really compelling content can add to the party with either videos or maybe it's a Q and A kinds of things that can show up digitally. And then that also is, you know, sort of, augmented by some of the editorial content that we're doing around that subject matter you can create some really interesting educational and informational pieces for the reader um, with all with all that coming together
1: mhm and i respect that you know in some of these or many of these situations there is confidentiality between you know who your clients are but i was curious if either of you had a case study that you'd like to talk about something that you th- thought came off really well when it was finished, or a situation where you started out down one path and decided it really became more custom content than editorial?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, we've had uh, a number of packages, and I, and I won't mention customers. Uh, some of these are still ongoing, and some of them aren't, but I, but, but one of them is coming to mind for a, for a major uh, ag chemical company, I'll say that, um, in which we created a series of of articles and content that was in the print magazine and that was a- augmented with some native content and uh, not just a repetition of that, but some additional things that we did with video and blogs and, and that those kinds of approaches to the customer through, um, through the digital side worked really, really well. Sometimes those things, uh, one of the things you have to watch for is unintentional tie. So in, in one of the cases that I'm thinking about in specific, it was it was an agronomically related issue. And, um, and there was really good solid content coming from the client on that around some subject matter, but you know, thing, you know, the world happens. So it also happened that some of the issues that were being brought up in just a general educational sense began to happen in a news sense. And so we had reporters that were out covering some of those very same topics. And so if it, and you know how this works in the digital world. You never know when things are going to quite pop up, you know, next to each mm-hmm. other sometimes, especially in, in rotations and things. So there are times when it's like, ooh, wish that hadn't happened quite that way. But you really can't avoid some of those issues. But but um, you know, uh, to, to I'd listen. I'd like to hear what Justin thinks about this too. But to Justin's point about about how that call goes and how having editorial part of that conversation. Um, you know one of the ways we can do is we can we can magnify those connectivity points when we when, when it when it is positive and good to do that. We can also try to minimize those those connectivity points. I as editor kind of sit back and see both sides of what 's coming in from the from the from the client in terms of the the, the sponsored content and I also know what my reporters are doing and and some days you have to sort of play traffic cop with that. You have to say, okay, we're not going to run that story today or we're not going to run that story right now because this is going on and we don't even want to look like we're, you know, like this This content is affecting what we're doing, you know, in, in the editorial side. Um, so those are, you know, those are a couple of ways in which things can, can go well and, and then sometimes change. Yeah. Yeah, a couple,
0: uh, and I'll also withhold, uh, a brand na- company name for, for this first one, but uh, we did a series of advertorials for a large ag company that showed how its kind of diverse products uh, can come together, work together, uh, complement each other um, for the benefit of the farmers, and those played out over several issues of Successful Farming Magazine. And so our our custom content uh, division, Meredith AgriMedia Media Custom Studio, created those print advertorials for the for the customer, and uh, and it allowed the client to get a lot of different brands, a lot of different products into this advertorial series. And I think we were getting like two, three, maybe even four products across these spreads or you know three page advertorial sections so and and so that that was great for the for the client it worked really well for us as well at our custom content division and for successful farming And of course we have this great relationship with with national ffa organization we're really proud of that again that content's not running in our uh owned and operated channels we're creating that content on their behalf um but we're really proud of that relationship and and where we've been able to take that New Horizons magazine over the last four years, I suppose. Our process, we try, like I'm sure Greg does, to avoid you know hiccups or bad things along the way. So our process usually starts with uh, asking the client to create uh, or to complete an engagement brief. That's a one-page document that we all, that they create but it provides us something to kind of look back to as we're as we're developing the content and keep us honest and make sure we're delivering what's expected of us and that that's immediately followed by a kickoff call where we go through that brief with the customer and then make sure we have all of our interview sources and talk through timing and that kind of stuff so that kind of preempts some negative experiences along the way but it's just inevitable from time to time that a client might change their mind we might get some some negative feedback along the way or a review round of content might not go exactly how we anticipated to go and that'll just require us to kind of regroup and and refocus when things start to go sideways a little bit I, it's important for me just to remind myself that it's not the end of the world that the content doesn't belong to us we've been hired um, by someone else to create the content on their behalf and they're this is their brand and their product and they're very passionate about it so what role can we kind of play in that in that process how can we right size this this issue whatever it happens to be but i find also that those become good opportunities for us to kind of display our editorial and publishing expertise and come to this situation with kind of a creative and sound and and winning idea in a lot of cases so sometimes you're able to kind of spin it and just prove uh, your kind of editorial and content expertise. So I have some specific <laughs> times in mind where that has happened. I'm not prepared to, to talk about them specifically, <laughs> but I can say overall, there are certainly times where things don't go to plan, but it's almost always an opportunity um, to grow or just to kind of help the customer see things a little bit differently, maybe bringing just some editorial or magazine best practices to the page where they maybe weren't in that frame of mind uh, to begin with like we don't want a magazine article or an or advertorial or a piece of native content to feel like brochure wear. we don't want to just promote a product for the sake of promoting a product what's the best way to tell that story uh, to a farmer how do they engage with digital content on agriculture.com for example and then kind of bringing that level of thinking to this native this piece of native content on agriculture.com to make sure that it's really resonating with that farmer reader
2: yeah and i'd, I'd agree i mean i and I, I would just add that um this has really evolved over the last you know five to ten years um you know the the situations that i can think of in which they started to go down a path and there needed to be some corrective action taken i mean there were some times when we to go back to my peak, no peak rule, there, mm-hmm. were, there were times when we started out understanding that this was going to be a no peak and then part of the way into it, the client said, oh, actually, you know, they were getting pressure from, from up above or whatever to take a more active role and we had to kind of back up and go, okay, well, then let's, let's review what those rules look like when, when, we, when we move into this world. And, but most of those things happen in the early days of this when we were really beginning to get into the native business, um, you know, one of the things that we did and just to speak to the organizations and and the the family that is agriculture, it's one of the, it is one of the cool things about being in this industry is that it's a pretty small group of people and I and several others uh, got together, it's been five, six, seven years ago when native content really first started to come around. And we did a number of sessions, both at AAEA Ag Media Summit meetings and a correspondent conversation at some of the NAMA uh, events for a couple of years, where we brought in people from all sides to to talk about those issues and to sort of come to some commonality about what the language was going to look like and and what what everybody was doing. So we all were sort of speaking from the same page. And so you know those those issues don't happen as frequently. As what they once did and I think that was just part of the the growth process but the reason I want to bring that up is that it has been a growth process I mean I think that um, to Justin's point about the the clients ability to uh, engage audiences in new ways for for publishing firms to be able to showcase their ability to do that um, you know, it's, it's actually pretty exciting. I mean, it'd be easy to say, yeah, it'd be simpler if everybody just bought ads and we just wrote editorial and, and, and it was just simple, you know? Um, yeah, sure. That, that, that might be a simple way to do things, but, uh, but it's actually been really interesting to watch this change and grow and, and watch the industry sort of work around it and, and grow around it.
0: Yeah. And it, it, I agree. It's definitely a growth. it's been a growth uh, path, growth trajectory, and it's been—I mean, on on the personal level, it's it's been cool to kind of be able to carve out a career in this in this industry. So um, I've been at Meredith for 13 years now, and uh, I'm currently doing doing this custom content as is my full-time responsibility. I'm not really crossing over to successful farming editorial uh, work really at all. It's all custom content, um, and so I'm kind of on that side of the of the line the editorial custom line but it's it's cool for me personally and i think for maybe some other listeners that that's now a viable career path you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh you know you could you can use your your um ad communications background or maybe some sort of uh marketing background and and work at a publisher doing doing custom content it's pretty cool
1: i think that's an excellent point You know. I graduated college long enough ago that this wasn't a career path at that time. And to think that folks can now, um, you know, kind of choose the editorial versus the custom content is, is pretty exciting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And for me, it was, uh, again, just growth kind of working on the the editorial magazine side and then, and then kind of finding enjoyment in, in the marketing side as well, but then using kind of that, that, magazine editorial experience and bringing that over to the the custom content side Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know and i'd like to you know i appreciate that comment justin and i also would like to you know make the point that that folks like justin uh, and others that are coming up and and have more background in this you know maybe studied the whole idea of this more in college rather than sort of learning through the hard knocks like like old guys like me um but one of the cool factors as Justin was saying is the ability to actually help companies do a better job I mean, we as publishers can help companies um, reach out to their customers their potential customers in a better way I, I can think of a couple of times where we had some new folks into agriculture some you know not necessarily startups but some people that were that were sort of new to ag and had approached uh, business to business communications from a different point and, and we in a little bit of a different place uh, in their, their maturation, I guess, um, and had some content that they really wanted to put in to native space or some things like that. And it, Justin reminded me when he said sort of the pamphlet uh, uh, piece, it was really more sales pamphlet kinds of things and we were able to reach back to them and say, you know, you can, you can put this stuff in our native pace. If you'll write us a check, we'll put it there. But mm-hmm. there are some other things that we could do that would help your messaging, we think. And, 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 and I think we actually sort of help them become a little more mature, a little more sophisticated in the way they, they approach the customer. So So back to Justin's point about the, the people that can do this and can carve out a career of that. There's a lot of satisfaction in that. There's a lot of satisfaction in you're not working for that company, you're not an employee of that company, but you actually help that company move along in its spectrum of, of, of communication. So that's, that's pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. And I applaud people like Justin that are doing that. Thank you, Greg.
1: <laughs> well, I think that um, in our episode today, you both shared some really great advice about um, how you and your companies define the line between editorial and custom content and you talked about your peak, no peak, or your gut check. Um, is there any other last piece of advice that you didn't feel we covered, or um, did we kind of get to it all through our, our conversation earlier?
0: Yeah, I think, we, I think we got through, I think, the, the big points. I, I guess I would just leave readers just with uh, the thought or the notion that, and, and Greg touched on this, um, but that it's it's still growing, it's still evolving, new types of content, uh, are coming available, and we need to figure out how to kind of adapt those and make them available for for customers to use in a in a custom way. Um, so this still just kind of continues to grow and evolve, but I think it's 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 still a new frontier in a lot of ways. There's still a lot of opportunity, and so while it might seem daunting. Um, it's it's definitely feasible and definitely available and i think uh, we're we're both excited to provide the service to our partners
2: yeah i would i would just echo that and i would add uh, you know as this grows i think one of the things that continues to happen and continues to impress me about agriculture specifically because i've seen some other industries where maybe this is doesn't quite happen but the but the way this industry works together, the way the editorial side works with sales, works—I mean, like our own internal sales—and also works with the clients to to discuss these things. It, I think I think there is sort of this sense that we're all kind of feeling our way along this together, and we're all seeing ideas and and building on the ideas and trying to trying to make make things better. I mean, obviously, we're competitors. You know, we're trying to come up with something that Justin hasn't thought of, and he's trying to do the same. And I think that's, right. that's good for the client. I think that's good for all of us to kind of push each other. But, um, I, you know, I also think, I guess my, my, my final message would sort of be, um, you know, those that are on either side of this coin, uh, whether someone listening here is, you know, purely a reporter or is, is purely maybe an agency person that's working, is, uh, you know, when I see it working well, is when the transparency in there, the communication is there, everybody approaches everybody with, hey, we have this thing we want to accomplish. Help us figure out how to do that, and I've seen some—I've seen some just really great conversations around that.
1: Great. Well, thank you both for taking time to join us today for this episode, and I'll encourage um, all of our listeners to go to your respective websites and check out some of the custom content that you have there, and some of the principles that you've talked about, and see if they can, you know, see them in play and use them in their own work.
0: Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Katie. All right. Yes. Thank you, Katie. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.